Good. I'd like to ask for your attention. A couple of clarifications. Working with pain, part of orientation, or learning to orient one's mind and what's going on there, is identifying aspects of both one's physical well-being, how much energy is there, how awake am I, how much comfort is there, and one's psychological well-being. Now, what, what kind of mood is this? Um, Am I interested? Am I bored? Am I sad? Am I happy? Is there curiosity? So part of orientation means that I... It's like putting in a sort of litmus paper and I kind of get a reading of the pH value. I get the reading how much of a particular quality of mind is going on. So the obvious one is on body. Energy, degrees of pain or comfort, um, physical well-being, even vitalization. But then there are other aspects that have a major impact on, on how our practice is going. Uh, and this is our mental attitude. So, are you impatient? Are you restless? Are you bored? It's good to know this. To know it and yet not be too judgmental about it. But unless you are identifying and capable of identifying these qualities in your mind, you are likely to be prone of one of these qualities of your mind with and you may go quite some time before you actually notice this takes place. So some of us have habits. We're just wanting to be entertained. We want something new. Heard that one, thank you very much. What's next? Some of us don't want new things. Just tell me the things I already know. Comfort me, give me solace. Don't ask new things of me. I'm that old. I'm that tired. I've seen so much. I don't want to learn new tricks, please. Yeah, Let me finish the old tricks. I haven't understood the old tricks completely. Don't give me any new tricks. So, some of us are just the opposite. Rather than novelty vitalizing us, uh, novelty puts us off. Yeah. So it's good to know that. What can we do? You see, part of meditation is not just about you controlling your mind to the point of holding your attention at ransom and directing it to a tiny little speck at the tip of your nose. There's more to meditation than that. So, what do you do when you're pain, when you're in pain? What can you do? I'd expect many of you will have some degrees of pain. If not now, maybe in an hour or in two. When we sit here, Most of our bodies are unused to this. If you don't happen to be a meditation teacher, and even meditation teachers' bodies can hurt, um, you uh, will meet pain. And in some way, how you 
are with your own pain is going to be quite important. It is likely that all of us at some point are going to have pain in our lives. You may think this is my good bit. Sorry, not my topic. You guys do the suffering. But the chances are uh, it's going to catch up with you at some point. You can't always look pretty and healthy and young. So, what are you going to do with this? What are our strategies? What are my strategies when I'm in pain, when there is pain? Can I... What do you habitually do with pain? Good to know. Not what does the Kinjana tell you to do, but actually what do I already do? Yeah. Knowing your own strategies. This is an orientation skill. Am I denying as long as possible? And then when I can't deny it anymore, I go angry or hostile or despondent or grumpy. Or I rationalize me bailing out. Sorry, can't do this. What are your strategies with pain? How easy or how uneasy are you with the possibility that pain, although still quite bearable, actually might increase? What does happen in your mind when you think about this? Is the topic already so unpleasant to you that you prefer me to stop now? Or have you decided this is boring because you don't do pain? Very simple tricks. Acknowledging shifts in our state. Acknowledging not just the deviation from what we have decided to be normal, but acknowledging fluctuation in our energy level, in our degree of fatigue or freshness, in our degree of comfort or discomfort. Just getting more attuned to the fine, the finer changes. Yeah. Doing that, listening, doing that, feeling, doing that in a deep way, connecting with the body's energetic uh, level, with its comfort level, with its uh, vitality level. Where do you go when you want to find out whether you're awake? Where do you go when you want to find out whether you're comfortable? Where do you go when you want to find out how much energy is in your system? Where does your attention go to? Do you have a vocabulary for this? Ask yourself. I can't tell you. I can't make this for you. I can't make you curious. So you need to find out yourself. The more you know about yourself, the more you feel of yourself, the more early you will be able to take steps. The earlier you notice that you're getting sleepy, the better your chances are that you can do realistic things to bring yourself back to wakefulness. The more you deny sleepiness, the later you will probably notice when you fall off your perch, um, and then it'll be probably hard work to get you back into a sort of wakefulness. Sometimes we have a pattern. The pattern says, there are things I don't like, and the things I don't like, I try to deny as long as possible. Pain, sleepiness, bad moods. When my denial doesn't work anymore, the thing is so strong, has grown so much, that it's very hard to transform this state. So, contemplative suggestions are that instead of trying to deny as long as possible, uh, and kind of, you know, 
buckle on as long as possible, is we actually listen to the first signs of sleepiness, to the first signs of grumpiness, to the first signs of um, uh, a waning of our energy. And when we notice this, we <coughs> deeply acknowledge, we go to the part of the body, and it's always a part of the body in which we notice this. And then we try to breathe into this area. We're trying to gently, gently vitalize this area. If it's an area of pain, if it's an area of stiffness, if it's an area of numbness, we try to stay, go there gently and see whether something changes. A couple of uh, states in the human mind do respond very badly to commandeering approaches. So if you try to deal with your sleepiness by being uh, stroppy about it, you know, it doesn't work. My sleepiness doesn't respond to stroppiness. What you get is a kind of a sort of a pump movement. You, know, you kind of go off, drowsy, and then you kind of pull yourself together until you go off, overt, over uh, correction, overt compensa- overcompensatory effort, which holds for about 20 seconds and then you gradually, you know, fall off your little perch again. So, we need a vocabulary and we need a kind of deep interest in our, in the various states of our body, of our heart, of our mind. Otherwise, mindfulness is not going to grow. If we have decided what mindfulness is, then uh, it is unlikely that you're going to develop mindfulness. Because if mindfulness is only feeling a particular, feels good, then you will be helpless when you feel not good. If mindfulness is only when you're awake, you will not know what to do when you feel sleepy. If mindfulness is only when you're motivated and inspired, then you will be at loss when you're not inspired and not motivated. So you need to be interested in what's happening in your mind, you need to be interested in what's happening in your heart and in your body. And then gently, all transformation begins with a gentle acknowledgement, the capacity to feel into something. Meditation teaches us a number of things. One thing it teaches is to disidentify from the content of our thought. Yeah? I am not my thoughts. I am not the, the voices in my head. I am not the state of my heart right now. The heart is angry, but there is something that is capable of understanding anger or boredom or despondency. And I am not this state. <coughs> yeah? That's one aspect of meditation. Another aspect of meditation, once we have learned distancing into this identification, it is necessary to kind of go in there, go into the very thing we have learned to disidentify with and gently inquire into this. We'll do more of that in the coming days. Right now, I just want you to use the kind of litmus paper metaphor. Yeah? You sit down, you take up a posture, and then you kind of Drop in the paper and see what what is the reading, how much acidity, how uh, alkaline is your climate or not. You know all the paper, you've done it in chemistry. It changes color depending on the uh, liquid, uh, on the pH value in there. 
Or you take, if you want another analogy, you kind of you use the thermometer. You get a reading. How hot or how cold. The, the uh, factors of awakening are a useful uh, tool in there. How much mindfulness is happening right now? How much energy is happening right now? How much zest is happening right now? How much stillness is happening right now? And so forth. How much samadhi, you know, how much uh, equanimity? So to get a, a realistic reading of how you are is important. Not a, judge, a judgmental assessment, yeah? a measuring kind of assessment, but you need to get a feeling how you are. This is not the same at six in the morning or after the meal. And when you have established how your state of being is, you need to have a few tools how to address a couple of things. So pain, what can I do with pain? A large part of pain is my resistance against pain. A large part of pain is my fear that that pain will increase. So the first thing is I need to differentiate between the discomfort I actually feel and my mental reaction to this. Yeah? This is a very useful distinction. How much is discomfort in the body right now? Uh, how much am I capable of being with this? And how much am I reacting to this? Uh, the difference between being with something and reacting to something is that when I react to the pain, I strongly don't want it. I strongly take this only to be the beginning of a more deep experience, a more painful experience. I'm not actually reacting to this anymore, to it, to the state or to the sensation. I'm reacting to the concept, this is going to go worse now. This is going to go the same for the rest of my life. Yeah. So just about anything you can think of, if you add the appendix, uh, for the rest of my life is going to put you off. Yeah. Think of the, the most cherished meal you can eat, and then you think you're going to eat that for the rest of your life. Yeah. <clears throat> the person you're most in love with, and think of them, you're going to spend every single day of your life with them, for the rest of your lives. Yeah. <clears throat> so just about anything you can do for the rest of your life you know, is, is basically a, kills it off. let alone of a pain in your knee that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life and get worse. So the first thing is we need to distinguish what is actually happening and what am I afraid of happening. What is actually happening in the body and what do I take this to mean. So often we find that we can have a lot more tolerance for what is actually happening if we divest that from our fears, from our concepts, from our horror fantasies. Yeah? When I'm actually with the sensation rather than with my image or with my horror fantasy of the sensation or of where the sensation is going to take me, I may be able to stay present even with something uncomfortable. I may be able to even develop samadhi on something uncomfortable. Yeah? Sometimes there is just enough pain 
to tell me, oh boy, you got to really be mindful of this one. If you are not very, very gentle with this one, this one is going to get out of hand. Yeah? It's going to completely fill your mind. But maybe, maybe if I can just stay with this and not waste any of my attention on uh, stray thoughts or stray emotions or stray little other projects I may have had in my meditation, if I'm just going to stay very, very close to this one, I get suddenly, you notice, you, your mind goes quiet. Yeah. There's nothing to, to clear away uh, your babbling, to clear up your babbling mind as the kind of the challenge of having to be with something that is just on the verge of being bearable. <coughs> suddenly you can be really focused. If the pain grows, try to not do what you habitually would do, namely move away your attention. Instead, you try to sustain your attention. Now, I'm no, I know this is not easy. I'm asking you to do something utterly counterintuitive. Intuitive would be, it hurts, let me go somewhere else. Let me seek something that feels good. Instead, I'd encourage you to stay with what is discomfortable and hover there. See whether you can find a way to relate to that experience without trying to push it away and without trying to create uh, a story around it. Just uh, a pain inhabiting part of my body. Not all of my body. It's not all of my experience. But it's part of my experience and I allow it to be there. Being able to do that is a great skill. Finding comfort, finding an abiding place in what appears to be discomfortable or what actually is uncomfortable. Quite a great skill. It is a skill that makes us a lot more patient. It's a skill that makes us a lot more independent. It's a skill that will hold us in good stead when life plays its tricks on us. So learning to be with forms of discomfort, physical, mental, but primarily physical. Just learning that I can sustain a gentle and kindly attention on something that is not intrinsically gratifying is a skill. Very, very precious skill. Sleepiness. (coughs) I have uh, basically no guarantee that your pain is going to go away. Sometimes the pain goes away. Sometimes the pain is manageable. Sometimes the pain gradually increases despite my best attempts. Sometimes the pain becomes agonizing and I need to change posture. If I need to change posture, my suggestion is this. Negotiate with yourself. Try to hang in before shifting your posture. Try to negotiate, see whether you can hang in for a few more minutes. If not, whether you can hang in for a few more breaths. If not, change your posture. After you've changed your posture, you go back to negotiating before you change your posture the next time. It's absolutely indispensable that you learn to curb the impulse to just shift when it's unpleasant. That is necessary. It's not necessary to stay still for hours on end. 
It's necessary that you learn to gain some freedom back from the impulse that tells you something unpleasant, do something about it now, don't wait. Yeah? That impulse makes us restless and that impulse has us um, by the neck. As long as we are slaves of such an impulse, we are likely to not find much peace. We will be continually optimizing posture, continually optimizing conditions in our lives. So we'll need to gain more staying power. And the staying power is not so much handling more pain, but handling more of our own impatience when dealing with pain. Sleepiness. What are your telltale signs of sleepiness? Do you know? What does your body feel when it is sleepy? What are the first signs? It's necessary to know this. So, we don't fall asleep all at once. It's no secret. The first of our senses to go is our sense of balance. The last of our senses to go, if we fall asleep, is our sense of hearing. There's plenty of evidence about this. If you fall asleep on a meditation cushion, generally something happens to your posture. Your head grows heavy. Your chin falls to your chest. Your shoulders start to lull. Your breath, your breathing area gets compacted. Something happens in your body. So it's necessary to understand one's own body's signs when sleepiness sets in. In my case, and I, you have to verify that it is is true for you as well, it's a kind of leaden flow around my eyes. You know, something goes kind of... Oh, yeah? And then it's a gradual hardening of my upper torso. Something shifts in my shoulders. Generally it, is, <clears throat> generally, it feels like something is hardening, <clears throat> as if my tissues is losing dexter- are losing dexterity. Then usually there's something kind of, something happens in my breath. The breath seems to go more flat, as if it is more brittle. And then usually something in my posture starts to go, kind of a, a sinking, or a, a strange kind of rigor, Now, this may differ quite substantially from body to body, from mind to mind. So it is necessary that you know the vocabulary of your body's way of telling you that it is sleepy. So the more you know that vocabulary, the more early you will be able to notice this and the more easily you will take steps when sleepiness sets in. Now, as meditators, I won't take you serious unless you have struggled with sleepiness. I know no serious meditator who has not struggled with sleepiness. I know one can feel quite indignant if one is restless enough to never get sleepy when people to one's left and to one's right are kind of nodding off. Seems so overtly shameful, isn't it? Here we are dedicated to the practice of awakening, and there she goes, snoring. Yeah. Um, wait. Wait. <coughs> yeah. If you do a lot of this, you will 
recognize there are cycles in your practice, that there are cycles in your energy levels where sleepiness will crop up on you. When you go past <clears throat> the initial greed and the seething hatred that keeps you awake, sleepless with desire, once you go past that, suddenly you progress into the peacefulness in which sleep actually becomes a possibility, then things may change. Age may also give you some counsel on this one. Or if you just do a lot of meditation, if you uh, minimize your sleep, for example, um, then it will become indispensable that you learn to deal with shift of energy levels in your bodies. And you will notice that sleepiness comes up. You will have to notice the, the signs of it. The longer you wait, the more deeply that sleepiness will set in. So many things in our practice don't actually need responding to. If, you're, if you feel greedy or if you feel angry, often these things are best left alone. In fact, if you don't respond to your greed impulses or to your anger impulses, they generally go away. With sleepiness and the whole host of uh, the third big uh, poison of mind coming from uh, confusion and ignorance, from moha or from avijja, of which sleepiness is part, the third category of challenge does need action. You know? If you don't take action against sleepiness, it will win. It will settle in. It's not cured by not doing anything about it. It's easy. It feels very convincing. You feel sleepy, you feel peaceful. It's quite peaceful. There's some sweetness to it. Depending on what's going on in your mind, feeling sleepy can be quite a pleasant option. Yeah. Isn't this what it is all about? Peace, you know? My life is hard enough. Oh, so much struggle, and finally it's getting better. Yeah, this must be it. Thank God. <laughs> No, it's not piti, it's already pasadi. Yeah, that must be it, samadhi. I'm feeling also very equanimous. <laughs> Probably the fourth jhana, yes. <laughs> no, I think it's further on, actually. It's neither perception nor non-perception. <laughs> so, you know, the mind can be quite treacherous. Sleepiness does not declare itself, so you need to recognize its telltale signs. Um, know your own vocabulary. Your body is a lot more intelligent than you probably make use of its intelligence. It knows a lot of things. If you listen to it, not to your thoughts about it, but actually to its pre-verbal statements, the stuff we're generally too impatient to listen to because we have to follow important lists in our head and important thoughts. If we're actually willing to listen to body sensation, body uh, qualities, then our bodies tell us a lot of things. One of these things is when we're getting tired and when we need to vitalize us. So what can I do? If I notice sleepiness, I can make sure that I redress my posture. I can take a couple of deep breaths. I can oxygenate myself. Particularly good is raising, widening your chest, addressing, you know, coming back to an axis, seeing whether your shoulders are above your hips. 
feeling opening your chest, taking deep breath, and stay willing to feel how the sleepiness in the body feels. Much of the sleepiness progresses into downright fatigue by us trying to not have the feelings of sleepiness, by trying to defend ourselves against it. But if we're willing to feel how it feels to be sleepy in the body, much is won already. A, we acknowledge, and B, when we feel you know, the tension, the setting in of a slight rigor, the flattening of breath, the lulling in the shoulders, the heaviness in the face, when we feel that, we can actually, we have a realistic point for starting to transform this. So, we can simply breathe more deeply, slightly accentuate the in-breath. We can open our eyes. It happens to the best of us. You know, there's a touching little example of Buddha's care to one of his famous meditator monks, Mahamogalana, who was an absolute star in uh, um, psychic uh, competence. He was a great meditator. And even Mogalana was sleepy. So the Buddha tells him to uh, rub his earlobes in one touching moment. You know, the first recorded account of ear acupuncture, to my knowledge, is a kind of the Buddha recommending Mahamogalana to massage his earlobes yeah, to help himself <coughs> stay awake. So, do that. Redress your posture, take deep breaths, open your eyes, massage your earlobes if need be, stand up. It's very difficult to fall asleep when standing. It's perfectly alright during our sittings here to just discreetly stand up and position yourself. Sometimes that helps. Importantly, uh, the more aversion you have against your sleepiness or against your precious self being seen to be sleepy, um, the more you will find that difficult to do. There's a lot of shame attached to sleepiness. So try to decriminalize that. Um, I have now told you that I think sleepiness is a sign of progress in meditation. <laughs> it means you've overcome greed and hatred to the extent that sleepiness actually has become a possibility. Um, and then see, are you sleepy after the meal? or Are you sleepy because you don't sleep at night? Or Sometimes sleepiness is not about sleepiness. Sleepiness is about not wanting to feel something or not wanting to be in a particular place. Sometimes our sleepiness, or lethargy or numbness, this is, these are all uh, relatives of the, the uh, common garden variety sleepiness. Sometimes these uh, aspects of mind, they cover up something else. They cover up some degree of aversion or they cover up particular parts in our psyche that say, uh, I don't want to be here, but I was dragged along, you know. Somebody just dragged, on, dragged me along and didn't listen to me, and now I'm supposed to be awake, supposed to get up, supposed to do these exercises, supposed to be silent, and actually I don't want to do this. And I'm just forced. So... I can't really protest too much, but I can sabotage him. So every time he wants to get samadhi, I go to sleep. Um, <clears throat> pays him right. You know, not listening to me. I let him have it that way. 
So sometimes our sleepiness has something to do with parts of our minds that do not agree with what's happening. And we've kind of, we've bowled them over by sheer force, by sheer will force. So if you find yourself bright and awake, coming in, sitting down, and as soon as you hear things like meditation or posture or start your exercise or plan A, something in you goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> you hear the bell and suddenly, after a short time, you feel bright awake again. Probably something's fishy there. Yeah. You need to look more closely at what's underneath your sleepiness. But if you have it, uh, if you have to deal with just ordinary sleepiness, use the tricks I told you. These are tricks. Sleepiness will be something you need to develop a relationship to. Tricks only generally tide you over uh, briefly. They work for some time. But unless you address on a deep level your relationship to energy and its fluctuations, the tricks will start to wear off. So use them, but use them sparingly. Making yourself aware of sensations of fatigue and sleepiness in the body. Deepening your in-breath to oxygenate your system. Redress your posture. Open your eyes. Stand up. Take a couple of deep breaths. So these would be um, sort of the tricks. As far as our exercise is concerned, please continue paying attention to body. Spend uh, the first five or ten minutes when you sit down scanning sensations. What is the most strongly felt right now? What is new? What is fresh? And then try to extend your awareness into the three directions I mentioned. Yeah? First of all is contact, touch, tactile experience, what the skin feels, where the weight goes, how this is distributed, what I feel of the surface of my body, warmth and cold, draft and uh, such like. The next dimension is the dimension of what is above, what is below. Do I feel the parts of my whole posture as I sit here? What parts are above each other? Can I be with my shoulders? Can I feel the relationship to the hips? Can I feel my arms, my hands, my hips? Huh? Can I feel the degree of symmetry in the distribution of my weight, for example? Finally, the enfolded space, feeling myself as taking space, as occupying some volume in this world. And sensing the dimension, the spatial dimension of this body, breathing into not just a little emo a little sensation, but actually breathing into a whole area of body, feeling the torso, feeling my my abdomen, feeling the size and the, the volume of a leg. Yeah. So do that for five or ten minutes and then go to the breath. Establish you know, an awareness on breath. By that I mean the sensations connected with your breathing. We don't visualize the breaths. We attend to the sensations in the coming and going uh, connected to the breathing. And I would point out five different phases. So it's arising. That's the first. It's intensifying. That's the second. It's decreasing. That's the third. 
it's tapering off or disappearing, that's the fourth. And then there is a pause, that's the fifth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See whether you can identify these phases in your sensations connected to breathing and try to stay with that fivefold phase continually. Yeah, good. Let's exercise that. Um, I have to flag, I've taken the liberty to change our afternoon program a bit. We start half an hour earlier and we'll have another walking period in this. The schedule is pasted up, posted up. Yeah. Good. Let us sit. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.